Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O man, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We welcome you to Western Park Baptist Church this first Sunday of July. Um, here we are into the summer, and finally the numbers look like they're going the right direction, so uh, we're all happier about that. We are beginning a new series uh, over the next number of weeks, and I'm just calling them Summer Psalms. So psalms that uh, invite us to reflect. Interesting, Psalm 3 is a morning psalm, and Psalm 4, which we're looking at today, is an evening psalm. And um, the talks about reflecting on God before they go to sleep at night. So it's associated with the evening services in the liturgical, liturgical church. Two constant themes in the Psalter. Uh, one, obviously, is praise. Psalter was a hymn book of the Old Testament. Much of it was to be sung. And uh, parts of the Protestant church as well, Lutheran church, Reformed church, every service they sing psalms. So uh, praise and adoration and worship giving worth to God, big theme. And second one is to have trust and confidence. So those two themes continue through the entire Psalter. Give praise to God, recognize your emotional connection with God, give him praise, and then internally in your heart and your mind to have faith and confidence that God is there for you amidst whatever challenges. So, you know, we've had big challenges with this pandemic for the last year. So circumstances don't always go right in our lives for various reasons. And globally, this has been a time of testing, pandemic. Nevertheless, the two themes continue. The themes of giving praise to God and also having faith and confidence in him, even through the challenging circumstances that we experience. So even though we're coming out of the pandemic, you know, there are implications for us, for you, uh, perhaps in terms of Employment, money issues, relationship issues, things have, have changed. Uh, I read a thing yesterday where in the New Yorker, and it was talking about pets and the challenge of pets uh, through the COVID experience. And they were, for example, particularly talking about cats. 
And we're saying that cats actually like a lot of isolation time. They like to be by themselves. And when there's a lot of activity constantly, that really is stressful for them, and they can actually get sick. And so they mentioned some term that I don't know, but it was a sickness that cats get from just the change of activity. So, hey, we're a bit like that too, right? So call to have faith even amidst the challenging circumstances. So even though COVID is going away, it doesn't mean that there won't be challenges for you and for me. And so we're, we're going to talk about Psalm 4, some highlights. I'm going to mention five ideas that I see there, and then uh, a number of application points. So a summer psalm, an evening psalm, begins verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, or Psalm 4, 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So I'm working from the NRC as I normally do. So it begins with the idea again of what we've been saying is that God is a God who comes towards us and that he, he is there. Uh, it's a call and answer. I call and God answers me. That's what the psalmist is saying and expects. A God who comes towards us. When I call to him, when I speak with him, when I'm in a relationship with him, I expect to, to know something from God in return. It can be an impression in your heart, in your consciousness, your mind, but it, it, God is person. He reveals himself to us in person. And the psalmist speaks to him as person. So it's interesting that he talks about my distress. And in the language there, it's an emphasis on the personal pronoun. I, I come to you in my issues. In my concerns, whatever they are, you and your concerns, you bring them to God and the psalmist is expecting and anticipating that God hears and works on your behalf. In fact, the word distress actually refers to being caught in tight corners. You know, it's like an animal being cornered. And the psalmist asks that the Lord come to his, to his aid, feeling hemmed in. I don't know, maybe you don't like going in, in elevators. When I was a teen in my adolescent years, we lived in a condo over in Don Mills, and, uh, you know, you rode the, the elevator a lot. And if you got a lot of people in there, I, you know, I never really liked that too much. You feel a bit hemmed in. David certainly had that experience in his own life. The psalm is credited to him. And remember, his own son revolts against him, Absalom and is trying to usurp the crown. And, and David has a number of psalms where he is feeling hemmed in because of a family situation, a father-son relationship, and the father is feeling discouraged and actually feeling attacked. Maybe you can relate to that in some way, I don't know. A child on the attack. And so David says to the Lord, come to my aid. And then he, he, in that, he's asking that, you know, the Lord will give him space. He's feeling hemmed in, and, and the Lord is our God who gives us space. He, he gives you the opportunity and me the opportunity to, to choose to relate to him and not just follow a bunch of rules. He gives us space. 
In fact, he gives us all space. We're, we're not, all, we, you know, we don't all think exactly alike. And so in a church situation, in a church family, we, we have a, you know, a bunch of individuals. We're a bunch of individuals, and, but we all have our space. Space to develop and to mature. We're called to respect that. So it, it begins then with David recognizing that God is a God who comes towards him just as we've been saying over these last few weeks. Psalmist continues, How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Other translations use, apart, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. He's chosen, those who know him. The Lord hears when I call to him. So you, you hear it again. And so the, the psalmist is recognizing here that there's pushback. That life is not always easy. David, that's his experience. That there, there is resistance. There are enemies. We experience pushback. Doesn't all go easy. There's tension in our life, resistance, wherever. Plans that we have and then they, they get skewed for some reason. Or for some reason someone, you know, takes a big turn in, in your, maybe in your relationship, at work, let's say. And, and then, wow, you have to deal with that. So life is not easy. It has its challenges. It has its demands. For everybody, even though we have faith in God and believe in God and have a relationship with Christ, still there are tensions and challenges in problems, but we are invited to have confidence in God and faith in God through all of that. Remember, that's a big theme right throughout the Psalter. To have faith in God because we are in relationship with him. The thing that most matters is that we are, we are there. We are in relationship with him. That's the biggest truth. We've said that over and over again. That's the number one thing in your life. To know and have faith in God and have confidence in him amidst the challenges, amidst the trials. So David writes. Verses 4, 5. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Interesting. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So keep centered on God. Do not you know, lose yourself in, in uh, distraction, anger. Verse 4, when you are disturbed or when you are angry, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. NRC uses disturb. Most of the other translations have anger. Do not lose yourself in anger. Interesting that Paul picks up on that phrase and in Ephesians 4.26 he cites it. Be angry but do not sin. That's a citation from the psalm. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So keep centered on God. Keep trusting in God. Things are going to happen in your life that you, know, that you don't like You don't like at all. That you don't... You know, it's totally the opposite direction of what you would like. But we're still called to have confidence in God and trust in him, not try to manipulate things, not to focus on the injustices of the world, not to become embittered, 
but to keep looking to God. So that, that's, that's what we're invited to do. David had to do it. We have to do it. Job had to do it. Right? Like things happen. So will we stay, you know, centered? Will we stay focused on him? That's a big challenge for us and, and the invitation. Carries on, there are many who say, oh, that we might see some good. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and wine abound, David writes. You have put gladness in my heart. I've, just, I've already said I've had tension, I have resistance, I have blocks in my life. But he's still able to say, you have put gladness in my heart. More than when a great harvest happens. You have put gladness in my heart. And so there, gladness is also translated joy in some of your translations. God has put joy in our hearts. And, and joy in a biblical sense is, is not simply happiness, right? It, it, it's, happiness comes and goes. You get a good grade on an assignment, you, you can feel happy about that, really happy. Get a bonus at work, you can feel happy. And happiness comes and goes. You may also get sad news at work and then all of a sudden you're, you're not full of joy. Happiness. And so happiness is, you know, often based on circumstances, but the biblical response of joy, that is something different. Joy in the scriptures is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's related to the Holy Spirit and God being with us. To know we are in relationship with God to know that his presence is with me, therefore I can know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. I can know love and joy and peace. Not because my circumstances are always great, but because the Spirit of God is within me. I know the presence of God within me. I've talked a lot about that over the last little while. God is a God who inhabits us, Father, Son, Spirit. So when we know that, we are able to experience joy. And then as a result of that, the psalmist ends, verse 8, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. You alone, O Lord. And so the psalmist is saying, not only is there gladness in my heart, which is joy, but he says also that there is peace in my heart. For you alone are my peace. Verse 8. Peace is shalom. You are my shalom. In spite of all the craziness in my life, you are my shalom. You are my peace. And so you, you see, it's an invitation here. The psalmist in Psalm 4, and many of the psalms, is saying, don't lose yourself in whatever circumstances are upsetting right now. If you focus on those, sure, you're going to be upset. And you're going to miss out on gladness in your heart, and you're going to miss out on peace. And so what the psalmist is saying, an evening psalm, before you go to bed at night, as you're wanting to go to sleep, you are concentrating and focusing on God who is with you and is present with you. That no matter what happens, I can trust and depend and lean on God. I am with him. You've heard the story the last couple of weeks of the condo that collapsed on a barrier island off the coast of Miami. And, and you know, 
this point in time, it's like 159 people are missing. They're mostly probably dead. And so there they are. Everybody is in their own condos. They're doing whatever they're doing. Washing dishes. Watching TV. Having a fight with somebody. Arguments. Maybe laughing. And then all of a sudden there's a rumble. And the whole thing collapses. And their life is gone. Just like that. So, you know, the, the issue is what, what am I carrying with me? What am I experiencing in that last moment. It's quite dramatic when a building falls, but it could also be in a, you know, in a car accident. It could be in any other kind of accident. So what are you carrying? You know what I mean? What do you carry? What do I carry? What will be the last thoughts you're carrying when your life comes to an end? Happy thoughts? Sad thoughts, joyful thoughts, bitter thoughts. So, you know, the invitation is to trust and rather than focusing on the turbulence to settle your mind into trust in God. That, that's what the psalmist is saying. So these psalms are written a thousand years before Christ. So here we are reading ancient literature 3,000 years ago, written then, and it's telling us here, 2021, don't focus on your turbulence, on your restlessness, on your uptightness, or on your fear, your lack of security. Let's keep our mind and heart on God. Trust and confidence in God. That's what the psalmist says. Yeah, you may think that's good. You may think that's bad. I don't know. You may think that's totally silly. But Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Sufficient is the day. So he seems to go with it. So if those are some of the highlights from Psalm 4, then, you know, what can we learn? So I, I think, number one, that we are invited to have confidence, and our confidence is based upon our acceptance by a God. Accept that we are accepted by God, even though we are unacceptable, Tillich wrote. Accept your acceptance, even though you are unacceptable in yourself. I will both lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. I can have confidence in my life. I can know shalom, God's shalom, because I am in communion with him. Actually, there's an interesting play on words here. In the NRSV, verse 3 has the word faithful. NIV uses godly. It's the word kassad. And kassad is very closely related, the same root, to kassad, which is God's steadfast love. So we have kassad and kassad. So we are faithful in God, meaning we are in relationship with God, and then we experience his kassad, which is his Steadfast love, his compassion, his mercy, all of those ideas, words, that's his kesed. Jesus on the cross, God's kesed in Christ for you and for me. Forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Kesed. So, invited to have confidence in God. 
And then because of that, the psalmist says we can have gladness of heart. So it invites us to, to live positively rather than negatively. Live open to God's goodness in my life. So it means don't be caught up in fear, don't be caught up in apprehension, whatever, anger, trust, depend, lean on God. Read somewhere, someone said, well, in any given week, 10 things might happen. Generally, seven of them are good and three are bad. And the question is, why do we often focus on the three that are bad and we forget the seven that are good? Just think of your own life. Think of, think of an average week. If you took a piece of paper and pen and you wrote down some good things, what happened in this past week? There would be a lot, of, if you looked intentionally, look at everything in little ways, a bunch of them will be good. Some will not be not so good. So to live positively, to live with the fruit of the Spirit in your life. I mean, Paul's not joking when he writes that, right? Those are the fruit of the Spirit. If we know God's presence, then those traits are part of who we are in God and who are we in Christ. Knowing confidence in God. That's related, thirdly, to living with a higher vision or living with a vision of hope. Living with a horizon of hope. That idea. Living with a horizon of hope. Not living under the overcast of pain and difficulty. Disorientation. The human overcast. I think Pharaoh writes that. Not living under that, but living under the horizon of hope. Lift up your eyes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. A higher vision. You know, Coretto asks somewhere in one of his writings, he makes the comment, and it startled me when I saw it, and it's, uh, he says, ask the question, why are Christians so sad? Why are Christians so sad? So he's writing after you know, an entire life of service in the Catholic Church, ecumenical church, really. And his acknowledgement is that when he looks around, he sees a lot of sad Christians. Why are Christians so sad? And, I, and I, his answer is, well, we, we lose our focus on, on God and what God's done for us. We, we, we choose sadness over joy. We lose our horizon of hope. We don't hold on to our horizon of hope. Sure, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world. Look to him. Depend on him. Hope. Hmm. Think about that a little bit. You have put gladness in our heart. You have put joy in our heart. Just thinking about that a little bit, you know, in the American Constitution, it writes that we should all, they should all have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's actually in the Constitution. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Canadian Charter of Rights, similar, but it goes life, liberty, and the security of the person. Canadians are a little bit more cautious, so we don't want to jump and say everybody can be happy, so we just say maybe they can be secure. As we've read and heard recently, not all of our people are secure. Life, liberty, and the, pers and the pursuit of happiness. Well, you know, it's, depending on our circumstances, we may not be happy, right? But, so they don't say there'll be joy, because everybody recognizes that that can't be just given to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is that we can know joy, life, liberty, and joy. Life, liberty, and joy. So, you know, can we embrace that? Can we hear? One commentator writes, joy is built into the revelation of the grace of God, for joy never evaporates, since joy belongs to God. And God is always with us. So if we have the fruit of the Spirit, then we are similar to God. We are made in the image of God. God is a God full of joy. The God who creates the universe, who redeems us, is joyful. And so if we know his presence within us, then we will know more of that. But of course, we've got to give ourselves to that. So I like it. Joy belongs to God, and God is always with us. If that's the case, then we can live positively. So to focus on God's goodness, where is our focus? And I, and I end with that. The psalmist really is saying, before you go to bed at night, what are you going to concentrate on? What's, what, what's your focus? You can focus on good things, gifts from God, or you can focus on all the things that aren't quite right. That's your choice. So the psalmist is really kind of saying, look, if you want to sleep well, focus on the good stuff. You're probably going to sleep better. Practical advice. Sheltering in the arms of God, trusting in him. Every night, every night, you and I have a chance and a, an opportunity to trust in the sheltering arms of God that he hovers over me, hovers over you, hovers over your family, and we are in his arms, whatever the circumstances are. And with that, we can know his peace, his shalom, his gladness, his joy. So this first Sunday in July, may we look to him, the God who comes towards us and stays with us, reveals himself best to us in Jesus, for you, for me. In Christ's name, amen.